0: Welcome to episode 40 of Expanding Beyond. How are you doing, Monica?
1: I'm doing very well. I'm on a sugar rush, uh, <laughs> sugar high, <laughs> <laughs> out of my uh, coffee and cake with a friend. So it's, uh, it's a very good Sunday.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> what about you?
0: Yeah, we've opened the last uh, bottle of mulled wine we had left over from Christmas and... So sad. I guess I'm not only on a sugar high then.
1: <laughs> yes, no, that's not the only thing. Mm. <laughs> Yesterday, I had, I was at a friend's, hi Anna, and uh, and I had three small, I swear to God, small glasses of wine, and this morning I felt like I was so hangover. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> not used to this anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, at that age, right.
1: Yeah, I know. I can't do it anymore. No. Look what you do to us, pandemic. I drink only in social uh, gatherings. So <laughs> speaking of social gatherings.
0: Speaking of that stuff. <laughs> communication. <laughs> so sort of everything um, on my mind right now actually resolves about communication or mm-hmm. at least or the lack thereof that I currently perceive.
1: Shake fists at Sky.
0: Sort of, yes. (laughs) Or (laughs) mention it in my next one-on-one with my manager, sort of next best best Uh, thing. It's a
1: very close thing, (laughs) yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, as I mentioned in in the previous episodes, I think we have split up the uh, department into multiple domains, sort of, that's a questionable topic in itself. Why certain teams are grouped together and why mm-hmm. certain teams aren't, and why that makes sense in some cases, and why it doesn't in certain others. Uh, but besides that, it's like two, roughly two teams are sort of grouped together, and they do their they share more in between them. They have their stakeholders that are sort of only for those teams. From that point of view, it actually works well, especially from the, for those stakeholders. I've heard some from someone. Who's been in that company for I don't know almost since the beginning, and he said that for him as customer support as a customer support person, this is basically the first time uh, where he feels that he understands what's happening in the, okay. in that's engineering. Nice. So that's kind of nice. And there were was we were doing like quarterly kickoffs with those two teams together and the stakeholders, and there were some really good discussions. I think so and on that on that side it's I think actually beneficial but what we had before was basically this uh I don't know after each sprint there was like this meeting with all the teams and they basically quickly showed off what they had been doing in the last sprint it wasn't the best format because it it's sometimes devolved into hey I'm giving you a bullet bullet points of stuff we did but it doesn't really didn't really help that much because I don't know if you show him someone a list of jira tickets you did <laughs> that's yeah. not super helpful no but, uh, and it would have been nice if it was like more hey here are the highlights and this is what we are trying to achieve but at least you could have some sort of understanding where the other teams are go- going and what the direction is and I personally think that is a bit missing now and I guess we need to adjust I don't know I've, I've talked to people already about it And I guess with the next uh, quarterly kickoff, there will be some kind of cross-domain meeting afterwards where we can sort of then share with the rest what the plan is for the next quarter. That is nice. But until then, I will be sort of taking matters into my own hands. And sort of my plan now is to basically talk to every engineer in the company at least once. Mm -hmm. And then maybe also talk to others. So I have my uh, engineering manager... Uh, that switched recently. So I'm obviously talking to him all the time, but I think I also want to talk to the other engineer manager.
1: This is so cool.
0: And I talked to one of our uh, designers and I want to talk to the second designer as well. And then I, I I will have to see who else it makes sense. Maybe it actually makes sense to talk to all the product owners as well. (laughs) I don't know, but I want to sort of, for me, that's, that's actually two things. One is basically getting to know people because I've been at the company for a year. And last week I talked to someone who's been at a company who started at about the same time as I did. Mm-hmm. And I never really talked to him. Granted, he is in South Africa and I'm in yeah, Germany, still. but still, right? That it would be nice if, if it were, if there was some way to, to, to make this easier.
1: Yeah. I really think you are doing something that can only bring benefits so I experienced something similar when, when uh, Freeletics did this. It's like we, we started, ch- so we tried it out on just a subset of the company at first, but there was this concept of a cross-functional team above the product team uh, that was composed of people from different functions and, and, and departments. And same effect within that vertical, it was, we only saw improvements. More context, more sharing, more understanding. So it was actually, it, it makes sense if you think about it. But we also experienced the same uh, counter effect that of feeling more distant from other teams in other areas. And there were at least a couple of times in which it happened that that communication actually had real impact.
0: Yes. I mean, there's, there's stuff I I learned about stuff i could tell others that probably they wouldn't that wouldn't have happened in other circumstances we just randomly talked about stuff and then something came up and say hey yeah this uh, initiative where i said yeah it's not really going forward anymore how sad is that and then i said oh no no that's not true stuff is happening and then i had to talk to someone else to figure out yeah that stuff Mm -hmm. is happening just your team is not included because whatever reason so it's
1: we yeah. are doing also something similar at Kaya in the sense of so that's that would be my current company, uh, for, for those who listens, where we're not yet that divided. like we, we don't have what we called, for example, for product areas or, or business units, how you want to call them, but still the company is growing so much that these bubbles happen naturally and for us one of such bubble is that the one that separates the us centric oh. part of, of the product from the eu centric part of the product mm-hmm. and we had already one time at least well that's the most recent one in which a feature that was developed for the us slipped into the eu version that they're actually not allowed to release for regulatory reasons. So <laughs> it's like, oh, how do we do this? This was released a month ago. And for a whole month, the PM, myself, the team, we didn't notice. We just noticed because now we're testing the app again and we need to branch from the newest version. And it's like, oh, when did this happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and we have status updates that we share four times a week, four times a week. <laughs> <laughs> one is the whole product and engineering department in, uh, well, the, the the managers in one room sharing, and this is what my team did, and this is what happened, and this is what we plan to do. We have the engineering staff meeting. This is where all the people in a leadership position in a management position within engineering get together. We also have a status update there the same things that we share during the, the, the first meeting I mentioned. Then we have um, uh, an internal, we have two internal uh, meetings, internal to the EU part of the business, where we also share that. I don't, I don't know <laughs> if on the US side they have something similar, but at least in two of those meetings, something like this should have been caught and it wasn't. Because yep. guess what? There's too much information. And too much detail to actually understand what's going on. Because these are meetings that are happening every week. So the or every two weeks. So the level of detail is very, very thin. It's like it's it's very granular. And catching something big, especially with you know a lot of naming conventions, as like uh one minute sit to stand, it's like, what does that even mean? Is that something that is relevant for me? Sometimes you give funny names do projects or features.
0: Yeah, that's also something I noticed here that we, we have those acronyms for mm-hmm. stuff and then suddenly they change because the product, it was just the working name and it's not been released. And then for the release, it's being renamed, but internally that's not communicated. And then there's this, it was like perfect. There was like a problem, some kind of um, bug happening and then someone was asking it something, and there were like three or four acronyms in the in the oh boy. in 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 some comment. And then the other person uh, asked and asked with a question, and there was some a few more acronyms in it, and it was like <laughs> oh my very God. funny because if you had just written out what you 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 had meant, it probably would have happened wouldn't have happened. It's like it's very easy to, yeah. to get that wrong.
1: I started not long ago glossary. For on in the confluence space of my team because I was coming across all this stuff and I was like, I have no idea what this means. So I first started to write that down for myself, but then I thought, okay, we need to onboard a PM. We need to onboard three or four more engineers. Maybe it's better if I put it like in public, <laughs> So now we have this basically, it's a dictionary of a bunch of things and you can always go there and it's like, okay, ah, this is what it means. And maybe if we find also documentation about that stuff, we also uh, link it. So you also have kind of like a reference there, but it's, it's so, so easy. Like, you know, it's like, this is an expression of the subculture that each team is expressing. If you think about it. Yeah. Uh, how linguistically there is that families or units of people develop their own lingo and this is exactly that.
0: And then you do it in text and not mm-hmm. you know, talking to anyone. And then it's basically English is like the native language of ten percent of the people. Oh yeah. <laughs> Making it even worse. I mean, I, I like I, I recently talked to to one of my coworkers. He's from South Africa, and it was a very funny conversation where he said he had to adjust uh, for a month or two before he uh, could manage with how direct the the, the German and Polish people were because he's an English native speaker yeah. basically, and everyone is polite. <laughs> then you talk <laughs> to Germans and has uh, sort of uh, writing it in English, and then they come across very uh, direct and and he was he said in the beginning he was thinking they were they were actually mad at him, but it's just
1: <laughs> this is another thing that it's very important. There's this book that has been written about working in, it, it's about cultures in general, and it's a, it's a business book. So it, it it's there to help you deal with working with other cultures. And yesterday evening, I was uh, at this friends and uh, we are all expats, right? Like there's someone from the States, someone from Spain, someone from uh, Moldova, myself mm-hmm. from Italy. And uh, we got, it was, super interesting for that group to, to look at at the problem from this angle. It's like, so if you, if you speak with British people, like the American uh, lady, she was having trouble speaking with the British people because like everybody, like she, this other girl, she's smiling at me. And at the same time, she's telling me actually that I did a shitty job, but she doesn't tell that to me straight. Mm -hmm. So I have to kind of interpret what she means. And the Spanish guy was also saying, yeah, that happened also to me. Like I'm from Spain. We say shit about everything. So I was Mm -hmm. like, this is shit. And the British people in the group were like, we need to uh, learn how to use um, uh, um, uh, different expressions uh, when interacting in a business context and After a while, after a couple of times, he got that they meant him, but nobody went to him. It's like, dude, you need to stop. (laughs) (laughs) But then also the American lady is also working with Dutch people that are super straight and direct. And they actually, these people, they know because they are consultants. So they told her upfront, it's like, listen, this is how our communication is going to look like. I'm going to tell you everything that is wrong and I'm going to go straight to the point. So this is bad, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. There's not going to be any, oh, hello, good morning. How are you? It's so nice. Forget about it. <laughs> So those two extremes <laughs> at once, it was like super fascinating. But yeah, that that is true. And sometimes being a native speaker can be an advantage because, for example, we, we experienced that, uh, I experienced that with product managers that were... Most of them were uh from the states. So the way they were presenting and selling the work of the team, so much more effective. Mm-hmm. Incredible. The kind of message, the the uh the presentation, the the tone, like a little thing was like bam, awesome, we went to the moon. And for instead, other people is like, that's basic. It's like, is it this even worth presenting? <laughs> But sometimes it's a it's a disadvantage because you have to go through all these layers that you are not aware of because that's your culture right that's how you were born and raised and you end up in a in a setting where people speak your language they don't really speak it
0: <laughs> yeah I mean and that's also the other thing I think it is hard to even know that stuff like that can happen mm-hmm. until you've lived abroad yeah. I mean, I only lived in France, which is like, uh, supposedly it's, it's, I mean, it's a neighboring country to Germany. It's supposedly pretty similar, mm-hmm. but even that was different enough that you actually start noticing stuff when you come back. Absolutely. And I think it's just very hard if you, if you've lived in one country for your l- whole life and then to figure out that what you think are normal things are just conventions to you and not to other people.
1: Yes. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's very true. Uh, that's why I, I really appreciated a lot the experience of uh, working at a place like the one I, I worked before, where I was constantly every day confronted with people that were definitely not having the same experiences as I as I was having. That grew up in completely different settings.
0: When I think about my team, right? So I'm German. Mm-hmm. And there's people from Poland, Russia, Turkey, and Romania. Yeah, and it's like the company is actually that's like like 30, 35 nationalities in in total.
1: That's great, but yeah, in a team you very seldom you end up having uh, people of the same nationality. At yeah. least in our field, mm-hmm. uh, and in Europe, I assume that in the states it might be more homogeneous because yeah. they're just. Bigger, so, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's like, like it's like a whole continent.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: But then, vice versa, that was also very interesting to me to see. Uh, once at least, like we we started having a huge influx of uh, of Americans in the in the company, people from the states. During a, an anonymous QA. i I'm pretty confident that person was from the states because just because of the topic and and how it was asked. Was this question about what are we doing to increase the diversity of the cultural diversity of uh, of the senior leadership team? In a way, it was cute um, <laughs> because the uh, the head of HR, the the, the uh, chief of HR, she went on stage and she was like, "Listen, I understand where this is coming from. It's it's a, a it's a lovely thing mm-hmm. to to think about, but you have to think that." We might look the same, but we're definitely not the same. Our uh, executive team, we have two people from Germany, true. But then we also have our CEO. He is uh, half Indian, half uh, German. We have uh, myself. I'm from Austria. I'm half Italian, half, uh, half Austrian. We have uh, someone that is from Cyprus. We have, like, it's its definitely not what it looks like. is—it it is, it is diverse. Maybe not to the full extent, but in the end, if you think about it, it's, this is a German company. It's kind of like normal, if you think that there are three people in, in, in a group of six that are from Germany. But the fact that we all look kind of alike, so we are all Caucasian, European, uh, doesn't mean that we have the same background. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's very different. Um, it's not necessarily an excuse, you know, but it's like go a little bit beyond again it's something that in your culture normal to question, for example, and assume that okay, these are all white people, therefore they're all from the same law, but you are in Europe unlikely
0: <laughs> all right,
1: <laughs> all right, and on this note,
0: on this note, let's go to your topics
1: yes actually the 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 topic that. Your topic made me think uh, that this was a uh, again another nice segue in there because uh, you were telling me that you are having all this uh, you know conversations. I'm gonna want I want to talk to everyone, and it's like we were saying that that's gonna take a lot of time, right? Mm-hmm. And I can totally relate because if you think about me, like I want because I think it's the right thing to do. It was beneficial for me, but I really do want to have these um, regular check-ins with the people that um, uh, are in the team I manage. And so every week I have now like 10 reports every week, this is between half an hour to an hour dedicated to that person. So one day of my week, is gone, right? Then I have my one-on-one. So there's that with my manager. And I also have a bunch of other one-on-ones that I try to schedule with some people more regularly with others, just, you know, bought on the spot. And that probably in a week makes for another half a day of my week that is gone. Mm -hmm. But that is the way that I stay connected with the organization and I do serve my team because I do speak with people about what are my worries, what are our challenges, what are the great things that we have been doing. And that gives visibility to my team and at the same time allows me to share where it might be invisible, and at the same time, getting information that then I can use to inform my decisions about the team or share with the team. Hey guys, this is something that might happen. I'm saying guys because everybody in my team is a guy, so there's that. <laughs> but as you might imagine, that is also quite time consuming. Yeah, and this is very visible in in my calendar because I, I think I I said it already. Like I'm using my calendar as a uh, as my to-do list as my plan. I was like, okay, I'm going to lot this here, this here. I mean, the plan is always, the map is not the territory, right? But you get a good approximation of what what are your priorities, what what you should give. And what I love about that technique uh, is that when I have to, or I end up doing something different, because there might be also moments in which I'm like, nah, I don't feel like doing that. That requires me consciously to go there and reprioritize. Mm-hmm. It's like, is this really the most important thing that I can do here? It's not the silver bullet, but it's one step more towards asking you that question, uh, asking me that, that question. And I, I was super happy, as I was uh, saying this to a friend of mine, confirmation bias is a hell of a drug. I was super happy to see this technique described as a an advice for senior product managers that that was the thread by this uh this one person I'm following on on twitter this is a senior leader in in product management and uh, and I highly recommend following him because it's a treasure trove of information about product managers uh, product management and this was actually advice number 2 in uh, in his thread of 8 great advice for for senior product people. Like, you have to use your calendar. You have to use your calendar because that allows you to plan, allows you to prioritize, and it's very, very important to when you are, especially when you are in a senior position. I mean, a senior product manager, imagine, is someone that owns a big chunk of scope within the company, or potentially might even have one or two people that they are leading. So... This is someone with a lot of stuff. Imagine being a product manager on steroids. It's like, there's just so much happening. And yeah, so it was like, you need to use that because there are there is a finite number of hours in the day. And this advice in particular was uh, is building upon his first advice that it's like brute force doesn't work for long. And at first I was like, what does he mean? And then I realized that I... At the beginning of my uh, move into uh, engineering management, I was doing exactly the same. By brute force, what it means is like, you're just trying to do more, work faster, do more things during the day. Sometimes you're overbooked. Sometimes you're writing messages while we are attending a meeting, you know, like all these little things that increase your throughput because you're parallelizing, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Or you're just extending your your time at, at, at work. But this works only for so long because, because what is happening to you is that your scope is getting bigger and your scope is getting bigger. You cannot work at the same level of detail as you were doing before. So you need to, to it, there comes again, the leitmotif uh, of delegate. And this means delegation is an act of trust, right? You have to trust that the people around you are going to do what it's needed to be done. And it's very hard to let that go, <laughs> but yeah. it is it is necessary.
0: But I also think if you if I understand that brute force and the meaning correctly, you would just try to do everything. Yes. And I think that in itself is actually already a problem. Exactly. <laughs> because you should look at uh, stuff and actually... Actively decide if that's important or not, because not everything is important. Yeah. And that's very hard, especially for product managers. They, they are always the bad guys that have to say, hey, we're not doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially you have to at some point, right?
1: And this also means like decide to participate to a specific meeting or uh, decide to, I'm, I'm going to go and study that specific user interview or, you know, like. You cannot do everything, as you said.
0: Yeah. And you rather want to pick the important stuff than yes. randomly have stuff fall follow- off.
1: And this doesn't mean that the things that you delegate, for example, are not important. It's just that what I'm trying to say is that the that level of detail is not the one you are supposed to work at. Mm-hmm. So it's, I agree with you. It's a problem per se. It's like even just trying the approach, but I can also see where where someone is coming from. When, when they start doing this. It's just that they don't know anything else. It's like, I've, I clearly remember my former boss telling me, I, I was saying, it wasn't even complaining, it's just what, stating the fact. Like, oh my God, I have so many meetings during the day and I need to go attend this and I need to go. And I was like, why? And that little why, and I, rationally, I knew that it made sense, but it was so surprising. It's like, why are you attending the refinements? And I didn't even think about questioning that. But speaking of a couple of episodes ago, or, or, or last episode, actually, when you have a team that is senior enough, do you really, as an engineering manager, do you really need to go to the refinement? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, once you have discussed that topic with the product manager, like, yeah, that's important. It's the next thing. Maybe you can actually free that hour out of your schedule. I'm not saying that I'm going to do it, but because there's... <laughs> No, in this case, in this case, it's also important. Why? Because um, it's it's still important for me because I realized painfully, uh, also speaking with my current product manager, that both of us, we don't have yet enough good knowledge about the product that we are managing. So actually attending those, especially the refinements is super important for me as an engineering manager, because I get to understand a little bit of the domain, So, the business context and whatnot, but also I get to understand a little bit about a little bit more about the technical challenges that we have because people talk out loud and it's like, okay, but this, uh, how can we do it? Maybe we can approach it this way or that way. And I get that information that otherwise I would have to go and look myself up for
0: because they don't have the sense of how difficult something is. Yes. Right. And you need that to decide. If that's something we want to do. So,
1: and that's where, you know, like you need to prioritize again, because at Freeletics, after five years and a half and working in an area of the product that I knew like the back of my hand, do I really need to attend that meeting? No, I don't. I trust the engineers. I know they're smart enough. I know they have the right, now they have the right relationship with the PM to actually discuss and potentially say, no, dude, we can't do this. but I could afford it there and I cannot afford it here.
0: Yeah. So what happened here is that we sort of, we are trying to invert it a bit. Mm-hmm. And we're saying, hey, this is the thing we w- as a company would like to do. And then their team is being asked how much effort that would be. Because they are in the end, the people who, who actually know. And then mm-hmm. with that information, you can go back and then either say, okay, okay. works for me. Or wow, that's a lot. Can we discuss it again more or less yeah because that's also something that happened to us sometimes that it was a bit surprising how long it then took to actually Mm -hmm. implement stuff and it would of course be nice to know that in the beginning or at least have have an idea from the team to say hey are you sure you want to do that because that's like like a big big thing
1: this is why i'm a big fan of having at least one of these uh discussions all together in the team even if not everybody is involved in the in the implementation. But for me, it's very important that at at least once at the beginning of the, let's say of the initiative development, the the the, the cycle of developing a new a new feature or a, a different uh, requ- requirement, we have at least one of these conversations that gives with the intent of giving the whole team, no matter where you are, the same context. Mm-hmm. This is the reason, business reason why we want to do this. This is what we are thinking about doing. This is the problem that we want to solve. And then after that, we can kick off as many side conversations with only the people that technically need to be involved and in, or maybe some stakeholders, blah, 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 Q&A, you name it. And then right before the implementation starts, we have another gathering and it's like, okay, after... All that we have discussed, this is what we came up with. This is uh, the level, this is the solution we're thinking about. This is how we're going to solve this problem. This is blah, blah, blah. And this is also should be done, in my opinion, with the whole team because, I mean, your mileage might vary, so there's that. But if you want to have a cross-functional team of people that all have the same domain, where in, in a real scrum sense, where in actually in a real agile sense where everybody can do a little bit of everything mm-hmm. you need to give people the same context also on certain details in in the technical on the technical side of why or why not we're taking this or that approach. and I found especially now at Kaya, it's, it's very beautiful to see that we really tried together to find a way to make this work like, very seldom I heard something like, no, we're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. Like, let's, let's find a way. So it also, I think it's, it's a chance. If we talk about the meta conversation behind everything, it's also a a chance that the team gets together and feels like a team. We're all trying to solve the same problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's of course important that everyone knows why, why stuff is happening and In which direction we are going. Mm.
1: But definitely there were already a couple of chances in which a couple of occasions in which we had like, this is going to take months. So do you really want to do that? (laughs) I mean, we can, but (laughs) what else we throw away?
0: (laughs) Yeah, we are, I I guess we discussed it in in the previous episodes already. We are sort of trying to be a bit more granular already where we say, hey, this is this chunk we want to do. Let's already in the beginning, break it down. Let's give it at least a rough estimate to get a sense of how long it will take. Mm-hmm. Because it's always the problem that, I don't know, we have something we want to do. We say, hey, it might take that long. And then up the chain, it ends up being a deadline. <laughs> and if it happens, you at least want it to be roughly in the right ballpark. Although, you of course, you want to clearly communicate that this is just an estimate, but it yeah. not always works.
1: Yeah, that's not always the case. It doesn't always end up that way.
0: Yeah, but I guess this is also one of the things that hopefully gets better by this this domain thing that we're doing by with, with the stakeholders being a bit closer mm-hmm. and then they hopefully understand a bit better how we work and why that's more or less of like an estimate of how long stuff is taking instead of being able to say how long stuff is actually taking, which is yeah. sort of impossible.
1: Yes, yes. I, uh, with time, I more and more think that the right approach is, um, is really that of t shirt size. I mean, even if it's not t shirt, who cares? But, you know, it's like giving the kind of feeling of how hard that is going to be. It's like, are we talking about a six months project? Are we talking about a one month? Are we talking about two days? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the scale we should, we should look at. So there's that, but even more, it's about really understanding, and this you can only do after a while you've worked together, really understanding what is your team history. And out of that, then you can actually forecast like, okay, this is something we have found out in the past about, I was like, okay, so more or less might be similar, or this is extremely more trivial than than the other one. So that you can do, but it's really, really rooted. These estimations are really rooted in your experience.
0: Yeah. And how often do you even have that, right? Because if, yeah. if the team changes, then you start from scratch.
1: Probably. Yes. But you see, like, if that shouldn't even be in question in the sense that literally, if, we, if, we, if you look at this, at, at estimations as historical knowledge about how much this is going to take. like, have you ever encountered this problem before? When the team changes because you have new people and, and the like, that literally means that your old measurements are off scale. So you need to apply a certain kind of multiplier to your initial understanding of what that might take. It's just normal. Yeah, uh, just normal. You know, it's like one of those things that
0: <laughs> that sounds easy, but
1: it's sounds easy. But again, also this knowledge comes with experience. <laughs> so uh, there's that my personal advice. So I'm, I'm going to share the, the link to that thread because I also there's a couple of things that I wasn't really at least consciously aware of. And I really want to read it because there's a lot of gold in there. My personal advice that I don't think it was in that thread is find yourself an external brain. Like there will be, when you are in such a position, product manager, engineering manager, like coordination um, position, so you can also be a very senior engineer in in the team. Get yourself a second brain. You need some place where you can just throw all that stuff that gets thrown at you during the day. It doesn't have to be pre its only function is there to preserve the knowledge and to not clog your brain with, Oh, I need to remember about this. <laughs> uh,
0: yes. And if you do it on paper, then it's called the bullet journal.
1: Kind of. Yes. <laughs> like, uh, and, um, it, again, it really depends what, what you need. But, uh, for example, the, the, this, um, uh, App I was tweeting the other day. I am no way affiliated with the with the developer. By the way, there's only one developer, the creator of this thing behind it. It's the kind of the quality is amazing. But that uh that app, the most valuable feature for me right now, there's a, a ton of them, but the most valuable feature is that I have a visibility of the daily notes for the whole week. Mm. So because as a manager or as a coordinator again as like someone in leadership we said it i think at the very beginning when i was talking about how it feels to to be in a manager it's like your feedback cycle like the 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 impact of your actions takes so long right it was like the daily note is not enough the daily note is for today but my cycle is maybe a week or two weeks so this Daily notes all collected in the whole week allows me to jump from one day to another or from one week to another to put to bring stuff in the right place. Oh, I need to talk about this with this person. I'm going to see them next week or I'm going to see them in three days. And I have everything on the screen. And it's just, it's so simple, but at the same time, so impactful. I was. Super surprised, super Mm -hmm. surprised that of the effect that, that, that had on me. It's like, I feel, um, more focused and I feel more in control. I mean, we all fear losing control, right? (laughs) So, uh, at at least it keeps my anxiety at bay. It's like, oh my God, I'm going to forget about this. So yeah.
0: um, Yeah. For me, the main thing with that stuff is basically it's written down. I can move on. And I get back to it eventually or not, depending on how important it is. Anything apart after that, it's sort of an added bonus more or less for me.
1: If I need it, I can search for it and it's written, right? Like if, as you said, like if I need, I can go back to it. Very often, like 90% of the time, I don't go back to anything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Probably the fact that it's also not on paper, because I was using a, a, a paper notebook, so... As of now, like the third week i'm I'm using the uh, that app and I still don't feel the need for for that notebook is the fact that because it's in an electronic format, I can reuse it also for like it's streamlining many of the things that I have to do. It's like those reports I was talking about, I, like I have to write twice the same status update. and actually, I can already do it. It's like it's there. it's uh I just fill it in. And I fill it in as if it was my notes. So then it's there. I remember, and I can articulate it better in the official document, but I cannot use a document that is shared with 40 people to take notes. Right. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. not going to work. So yeah, that would be my personal advice. And you, you don't need to, to also mark all the items as done. That's fine.
0: But it's not on paper. It's of much fun if it's on paper. But that's a different discussion.
1: (laughs) No, no, I I understand and and I feel you. I I miss my colors, for example. I was using different colors for every day and uh, they were meaning different things and so on. But uh, I have to say that, unfortunately for me, this is uh, more effective for now.
0: Yeah. Well, if it is, then it is. All right. And I guess now we're done for today. Monica, where can people find you on the internet?
1: People can find me on Twitter. I've been a little bit more active lately. So uh, at KF Molly with an I.
0: Is the Italian Uh, content over?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Eurovision is in a couple of months. So you guys are safe for a while. (laughs) Or the Italian musical content is... Off. there's still yeah. some Italian content every now and then Um uh, on my website so monikag.me uh, I've recently updated a little bit with some uh, with some uh, more uh, recent um, goals and news so there's that and um the usual platforms so if you're curious about what I'm uh, doing lately with my coding that doesn't feel like work anymore because that's not my job anymore <laughs> uh You can find me on GitHub at niranath, and on a bunch of other platforms with the same nickname.
0: And again, find me also on Twitter as UJH, even though I'm not really posting that much and the usual places, although I am generally posting only about the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to reach us uh, for the podcast, you can, of course, reach out to any one of us uh, individually. Uh, But you can also write us an email at hosts at expandingbeyond.it.
1: And with this, have a lovely day, people. Bye-bye.